Yo, what's today? Today's Thursday. Super, super duper happy to be ending my Thursday with you guys. Today is Thursday, and I believe, let me check my phone. Today is the 23rd. Thursday, July the 23rd. I actually just got in. Um, I went to have some drinks with a couple of friends. Um, but nonetheless, we are at episode 7. Um, and this is going to be, what is a uh, body to a building? Um, a lot of people are wondering why we are protesting, why shit is on fire. Like at the end of the fucking day, I feel like if people actually knew their history, they wouldn't be asking us these stupid fucking questions. Um, I have had so many different conversations, um, with people who, um, of course are white, white people who are literally saying, you know, burning buildings won't change anything and you know how like white people like they talk and they're like over exasperated and they're about to fucking like pop a blood vessel in their face and it's just like first of all calm the fuck down like your insurance are going to cover you fucking passing out (laughs) but like they're just like um I don't believe that people should be fucking looting and fucking catching shit on fire at the end of the day y'all should be fucking lucky that we're setting shit on fire and not setting people on fucking fire we are fucking angry we're tired we have fucking had it and tonight i'm actually going to give y'all some fucking history uh for all the people that want to know why are we protesting what is protesting going to solve all of those questions you know a lot of people are just like you guys are making it tough for business owners but at the end of the fucking day i find that if people actually knew the history you know like 1914 um 1940s that history of black people striving to be great they wouldn't be asking these fucking questions because they would actually know that every single time we've stood up to be great there have been intimidated fucking white people that have stood in our fucking way and stopped us whether they killed us whether they built down our burned down our neighborhoods whether they burned down our businesses, our homes, whether they hung us. At the end of the fucking day, we are fucking tired and we are done with this shit. So if you are listening to this podcast, you have stopped in the right place. Um, Black Lives Matter. I said it last episode. If you do not support Black Lives Matter, you can stop listening here um, and you can redirect your listening um, abilities to another podcast. Um, But as for us, as for the good people tribe, we are good people and we are upright and we will continue to do what is right to be on the right side of history. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into the show.
I want to first and foremost say, um, I've, I've so missed you guys. Like there have been so many changes in my life. Um, I mean, shit in the past year, but just in the past like few days. Um, but I've missed talking to you guys. I've missed actually being able to, to connect, um, to so many people, um, connecting to different, um, countries and different cities and different states like I appreciate you guys for listening be sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at upright with Eve and that is uh, U-P-R-I-G-H-T-W-I-T-H-E-V-E upright with Eve your favorite lesbian again we will get through this shit together um, at the end of the day no matter how hard it gets um, you do have something to fall back on um, you are able to uh, text us uh, your concerns, shit that you want to hear on the fucking show, um, as far as questions, topics, comments, concerns, rants, opinions, whatever you want to hear, you are able to text us. Our number has changed. Um, it is actually 860-909-5936. Again, that is 860-909-5936. Doesn't matter which time of day. Um, if you do text after 9 PM, we will get back to you on the following, uh, business day. Um, I do sometimes text people back on the weekends. Um, but if I don't know that I will text you on the following business day, um, we are a tribe. We are helping people get through these times. We are fighting for our lives and, um, we are a resource. We are family. So make sure that you do use us. We are here and we love you. Let's get into the show, man. I do want to let people know that I am, I'm a hundred percent aware that I'm late to the party, um, as far as talking about protests and riots, but what I actually haven't heard people discuss is, um, basically answering that big question of why do people think that this is something that's necessary? Um, why it's justified the history of it, um, where it started. A lot of people don't fully understand that what black people have um, we have our rights, you know, and even those can be a little bit fucking touch and go. Um, quite frankly, we barely have those, but what we've actually decided to do is while we do have them, we are using them. Um, what we've seen, um, since, um, the killing of George Floyd has happened, we've seen different nationalities, Korean, um, white people who are on the right side of justice, black people who want to continue to fight for their lives. We have been seeing um, all of these nationalities and races pulled together um, to be on one side. And that is something that um, has been a lot stronger um, in the coming weeks, in the past months. Um, a lot of people are thinking that protesting has stopped a lot of people are assuming that riots are ended. They have not ended. There are still places that are protesting and rioting and people are still shed, setting shit on fire, for lack of better words. Um, of course, the media is not going to cover it because the media has to cover what they feel is important. Um, they're not going to continue to show us doing what we should do. Um, as a people, they're not going to continue to show us standing up for our rights and standing up for what we believe is, is wrong. So platforms like this will continue to reassure you that shit is still happening. We are still gathering. We are still, um, having peaceful protests 
And, you know, sometimes when things happen in, in, in at these protests, if tear gas is set off, um, it can become hostile. But at the end of the day, a lot of the protests have been peaceful. Um, but I think I was mentioning in the opening of this podcast that I was speaking with someone um, and actually and they were just saying, you know, I don't really believe in in violence and I don't believe in setting things on fire. But. You know, I understand why your people are mad. And it took me a while to sort of just sit back and, you know, hear this gentleman out. Um, But at the end of the day, what people have to understand is the history of all of this madness. We will no longer be painted as angry black people because that is no longer the actual narrative. And I find that um, going back to help people actually understand where this shit started. Well, stop the fucking questions of why are you guys protesting? Why are things on fire? Like, I mean, Jesus, pick up a fucking book or magazine, like, or magazine. Um, I know that like the National Geographic is a huge resource when it comes to explaining the history of um, white um, racism and police brutality. So just as a tidbit, if anybody is listening to this and they want to actually be able to learn more, um, the National Geographic website does give a lot of information. If you just search Black Lives Matter, it'll bring up a lot of different articles that will help understand this. Um, But I'm going to get into explaining why protests are happening, why it is necessary, why we have to pitch in and do our part. Um, And it really started out in 1919. So in 1919, um, basically was the start of three major waves. Um, and these waves, um, started with the red summer. A lot of people are just like, well, what's the red summer? Um, this was shortly after the country was actually, um, recovering from world war one. And it was of course divided by racial and gender tensions. Um, and a lot of different things were happening at that time. So there were violent clashes that were happening. And small towns like D.C., Chicago, um, Omaha, um, they were included in this first wave. And at that point, black people, African-Americans, they were moving to the north. And of course, that is the Great Migration. And um, of course, wherever we have gone, we have been made to be um, less than we have been shown to be and forced to be oppressed and this is really where it started. Um, 1921, uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the black business district, and a lot of people will know it to be, uh, the black wall street, uh, was, was burned. Um, about 300 people were killed and all of that city, that black population did become homeless, uh, because white mobs were actually sent there, um, by the local police to torch, burn, kill, steal, um, anything that you could possibly think of. And of course the police did not, um, defend, uh, African-Americans at that time. They actually were complicit to what was actually happening and they arrested any African-Americans for defending themselves. So, I mean, if you think about in 1921, 1921, this is when this took place. Um, We are still getting arrested in 2020 for defending ourselves. We are still getting arrested for being able to um, act justly, exhibiting our rights. 
um, using our free speech and um, our rights to be able to assemble and protest. We are getting arrested for doing just that. And in 1921 is where it all began. And of course, it happened way before that. But the overtly um, shown of police brutality is where it began to kick up here. And of course, I'll leave links so that people are able to see photos and and have further reading and understanding. Um, But of course, like during this time, the NAACP uh, was actually founded in 1909, I think. Um, Yeah, it was founded in in 1909. Um, But African-Americans had invested so much energy into Black Wall Street and for it to be torn down because we were powerful, because we were strong. Um, The fear of us being bigger and better than the white race is why white mobs were sent by the local police to destroy it. I mean, imagine that, like fear of the unknown. It's like to be so afraid of something, to be so afraid of success that before you can even see it fully for what it is, you destroy it. That is like, that lets you know that we are truly, truly mighty people. The second wave of protests came during um, the Depression and World War II, which was about 1941. Um, of course, everything that I'm talking about um, is public knowledge. You can go online and read it. So I'm not just like pulling this shit out of the sky. But the second wave did come in 1941. Um, and civil rights, of course, was on the horizon. Um, there were a lot of different things happening. Um, and this was actually uh, connected to the Great Migration, where hundreds of black workers moved north. And um, they wanted to begin having regular jobs, like defense jobs, um, jobs that actually paid more. And they were actually completely fed up with the hypocrisy of racism in the U.S. So it's like, here we are fighting this war um, and we're fighting for democracy, air quotes, but black people cannot have equal rights. So... You know, things started to sort of boil and simmer and we're talking about the 40s. Um, Things are simmering in this point. My grandparents were actually born in 1942 and they are 78. So about 41 would have been um, 79 years ago. So just thinking about it in that context actually gives um, the depth of like how long, even in the 40s, things were still unjust of course but just the tension that rises over time like we're talking about decades decade over decade over decade like at some point this blood that was boiling for my great-grandparents was passed down to my grandparents was passed down to my parents and passed down to me And a lot of people, they don't really connect those dots, but I think that if they are thinking in a healthy mindset and if they are thinking in a just mindset, it's not really hard to really understand. It it isn't. I find that a lot of people are either going to be on the right side of this thing or they're going to be on the wrong side of it. Um, And I just want to be able to give as much knowledge as possible, as much resources as possible so that people can at least understand and not continue to question why we do what we do. And just to piggyback um, off of Red Summer 
in LA um, during that exact same time, a ton of race riots broke out. Um, white mobs were angry about the new racial threat. Um, and they began actually attacking Mexican American men. Um, of course, police swept in as they do, um, whether they're doing good or not, they still sweep in <laughs> and they side with white riders. Um, and at this point, World War II was approaching. Um, African-Americans were actively protesting, um, some peaceful, some violent. And what actually happened in, I believe it was actually 1943 of August, August 1943, is a white police officer shot um, an African-American soldier named Robert Bandy. Um, he was on leave, um, but this actually left African-American people outraged uh, because this police brutality broke um, broke out and it was just like, really? Like, <laughs> you're shooting someone that is actually fighting for us. Um, and of course, this sent, you know, shot windows broken and uh, buildings began to burn. And of course, uh, we as black people, we begin to clash with law enforcement. Um, wartime in Birmingham, Alabama um, was something that um, was, I guess I would actually say taking out against us, whether we weren't allowed to ride the buses or we were being chased. Um, we, were, we, we had our children chased or our wives chased, walking from the market, walking to school. We began to be brutalized and tormented in different ways. Um, and what I usually think about is all of the people that actually went unaccounted for. Yes, we know the names of those who who, whose names got attention of those who were recorded of those who, you know, was seen being killed by someone. But what about those who were not? What about the people that vanished? What about the children that were killed and, and about the fathers that were taken that nobody ever paid attention to the missing reports that were never filed because he wasn't important enough to the white authorities that we had to rely on. Um, or just because he was black and that wasn't important enough. All right, so we've covered the early 1900s. Um, we talked about the Depression, World War II, and the violence that actually came in 1941. Um, and there was actually a civil rights leader named Philip Randolph who threatened to march on Washington because, again, we talked about black people wanting to have those jobs. They wanted to have equality in the workforce. They wanted to be able to have defense jobs. So um, the president at that time was actually Franklin Roosevelt. He did say, okay, I'll sign an order to create the Committee on Fair Employment Practices. Um, and again, I did speak about the hypocrisy that black people um, were enraged about because here we are, we're fighting this war. And we're fighting it actually for democracy, but there's literally no equality for something as simple as the right to work a job, just as a white person um, was able to during that time. So we fast forward to the 60s. We get to the 60s and um, a lot of people are, of course, aware that the civil rights movement took place in the 60s. Um, but there were a lot of other little intricate pieces and details about the early 60s um, that some people aren't aware of. So I'll just cover that briefly. And just as a quick sidebar, um, I've spoke up, I've spoke to like a few people in, in deep conversation. And I find that if you have um, a group of people, let's just for say, for example, you have a group of people 
this one group of people, they get to do everything they want. They get to work. They get to send their kids to decent schools. Um, they get to purchase cars. They get to ride public transportation. They get to go out to restaurants. They get to walk on a sidewalk. And then you have another group of people who cannot safely travel on foot, cannot safely travel with public transportation, cannot be out after dark or get an attack in broad daylight, cannot purchase cars, cannot send their kids to school, cannot do anything. Basically, they, they literally, they can barely fucking breathe if they have the chance to. So if you compare those two, just simple logic, at some point, it's going to continue. We talked about the slow drip. We talked about it trickling. We talked about it building. We talked about the animosity and the tension from the 1900s, even before that, but just documented from the 1900s through the 40s, through the 50s, to the 60s. Um, I mean, to me, it's pretty self-explanatory why in 2020, we literally cannot take anymore. Technology has given us a different ability to be able to capture not only the abuse, but also capture the injustices um, to where it cannot be hidden. It is right or it's wrong. There is no in between. We are seeing things that are actually taking place in front of our eyes that cannot be justified to be a mistake, that cannot be justified to be something that we missaw, that we mistook. Um, So logically, if you just compare those two, those two different types of people, um, at some point you're going to wonder like, well, why can't we? What do we do to be able to change these things? We want our children to be able to go to good schools. We want to be able to use public transportation. We want to be able to purchase homes and purchase vehicles. So the 60s came with wanting to be able to move forward. We wanted to be able to grow out of being racially segregated and discriminated in employment, in transportation, in commerce, in housing, in the North and in the South. So at this point, not only were Black people actually realizing that, okay, we have the strength to continue to move forward. Yes, I feel like I feel like Black people have always realized that. But they started to see that change can actually happen. We fought in the 40s and uh, President Roosevelt signed the Committee on Fair Employment Practices. So here we are in the 60s. They want more change. We deserve more change at this point. I do not think that this was something that we were asking for that was out of our reach. It's like, why would they be asking for this? Because we are literally, we're building the homes, we're building the schools, we're raising these children. We are in charge of so many functioning parts of the white people's lives at these points that we don't understand why, if we're making all of these advances for their lives, why we cannot have these equal opportunities as well. So, 1963, um... Birmingham, Alabama, of course, uh, Martin Luther King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, they marched. They marched in Birmingham, Alabama, and they demanded the desegregation of department stores, uh, public restrooms, restaurants, drinking fountains. Um, And of course, the Birmingham Commissioner of Public Safety, Bull Connor, he ordered the police to turn hoses and guard dogs on the nonviolent protesters. Now, a lot of these protesters at that time were school children. 
Um, they were wanting to march for what they believe was right. I mean, imagine being a kid in middle school, not being able to drink clean water. You're seeing white kids being able to drink clean water, but you are not able to. And if you do, you're either going to be chased home or beat up or worse. That was a reality that we were facing. Um, and I do believe that a lot of people do not understand this history. So they question things like, well, why are they protesting today? These are the reasons why we're protesting today. Because over 40 years ago, we were having to, to fight and we were having to be chased and be beaten and be killed just to get a sip of water. We should not be going through this in 2020. There's no reason why we should be having these same arguments and having to fight for these same justices in the quote unquote land of the free and the home of the brave. These, these statements don't truly apply to us. And we want for them to be able to, but how many people should have to continue to die? How many people should have to continue to lose their family members and fight and and hide and run and be chased and be harmed and lives are being affected while we're still continuing to fight for things that we fought for 40 and 50 and 60 at this point, 1914, 80 plus years ago, 90 plus years ago. It makes no sense. So of course, the retaliation for the brutality um, sent black people in the 60s in Birmingham, Alabama for self-defense. They did go to local businesses. They did burn down. They did riot. They did loot. But at the end of the day, this was all that we had. We had nothing else because when we were when we were peaceful and we marched and we weren't violent, we still got beat. We still got chased. We still got arrested. So it's like at this point, we were damned if we do. We were damned if we don't. 2020. We march peacefully, we get arrested. They only show us looting on the news. But of course we know that, you know, not only black people shop at Target. So do we really think that only we were looting from Target? Of course not. But of course that's what they're going to show. But the, the beginning of all of this starts to where we do do the right thing. We use our rights. We know our rights. We know the law. And even when we do act in our rights and rightfully so, we still get arrested. We still get abused. There's still bloodshed. This is literally all that we have. So here we are marching with all that we have. We're marching into the mid 60s. We're marching into the late 60s. The black power movement was birthed um, in the mid and late 60s. And this is where we actually started seeing the Black Panther Party. We started to be labeled as militants. We started to look different. We started to not straighten our hair and we started to have more to stand for. And we started to get organized. Uh, marches were no longer marches. They were organized gatherings with a mission. Um, we We actually arrived at a time. We left at a time because at this point, we didn't want to continue to lose um, those that we were marching with. Lives were beginning to be taken. And we knew that we had to not only be organized, but also be strategic in what we were doing. So if we look to the north, um, if we actually look at Philly, um, if we look at Harlem and Rochester, in 1964, uh, these, these significant cities were actually on fire. Um, Los Angeles in 1965, just a year before the Black Panther Party was founded, and Chicago uh, in 1966 uh, culminated what history calls the long, hot summer. 
uh, and that was July 1967, in which 163 cities erupted in collective violence over police brutality and indifference to black suffering. You guys know I like to go off on tangents. I'm just going to go off on a quick tangent. A lot of white people, for some reason, when they hear black suffering, I don't know if they like, if they think that it's like some fucking made up phrase. It is an actual thing. Black homelessness. I have literally taken you guys on a complete timeline from 1914 to 19. Here we are 66 at this point of black suffering. We were not able to do basic fucking things. So if there's any white person that is listening to this podcast, you know, whether you support Black Lives Matter or not, if you are still listening at 28 minutes and 35 seconds, black suffering is, was, and and still will be a real fucking thing until there's constant change, until we are not continued to be killed, oppressed, and blamed for the outcome. In the late 60s, there were a lot of um, white police forces, of course, in major cities that did not come to the aid of, of black people. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, if they're looting and they're bombing and they're doing all of these things, why would they come to the aid of black people? Realistically, guys, the police has a job to protect and serve, um, not protect and serve a certain race to protect and serve, period. Um, And that's where defunding the police uh, force and police departments comes into play. That will be another episode. But at the end of the day, um, while 163 cities were burning in the mid 60s, the police departments uh, that were all white forces in places like Newark, New Jersey and places like Detroit, where people were getting killed, um, they were not coming to black people's aid. There were um, about 17,000 Um, Police officers, including the National Guard and military troops that were sent out um, in the late 60s in 1968, to be exact, um, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, cities were burning nonstop because we were angry. Of course, we were overcome with sorrow and we were overcome with fury. But of course, it did not stop them from killing us. (laughs) Um, For them, it's like, well, we've killed the leader of the pack. Let's just continue to exterminate uh, the people that felt like they had something to follow. Where we are in 2020 um, is not much off. And it's sad because here we are, you know, I mean, my mom was born in 64. We're talking about when she was four years old, uh, 50 years ago at this point. She's 56, 52 years ago. um, We were still fighting for the exact same things. Regular justices, not to be killed, to be able to actually see our rights work before us. They read us these rights when we get arrested, but how long do we actually see these rights play into action in our lives while being alive, while living? For some of us, not long. Um, And that is very, very, very sad. The 1960s uprisings, um, they of course differed, of course, drastically from 1919 and 1943 um, but they were both nonviolent and disruptive and they were led by African Americans unlike race riots in Chicago um, in Tulsa Detroit white mobs were actually sent out to destroy black success and here we are while we are all that we are we are successful um, we are strong and we are still being chopped down like trees And it is completely unacceptable. So for the people that are continuing to ask why, 
Why are we, why are we rioting? Why are we protesting? I've had people question, well, do you really think that protesting is going to do any good? You know, it did get us the civil rights movement being signed. It did get us the fair employment practice being signed. It got us these things that continue to turn history around. And while history hasn't completely made the turn that it needed, it's slowly moving. We have to continue fighting. We have to continue pushing. We have to continue to educate one another. We have to continue to educate our children so that they understand that you don't want this revolution to pass you by. You do not want to miss this revolution. You want to be on the right side of history and you want to know why. For all the businesses that have been touched um, by uh, the current wakes of destruction, there are things and resources that you are able to reach out and be able to know about. Um, I will touch on a few. There are 12 perils in every small business and every medium-sized business uh, insurance policy. And a lot of people will only check the first two. Um, there are actually 10 more that covers riots, looting, bombs, water destruction. Um, it, 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 the list goes on and on with certain things where if, if riots break out and your business is affected, um, of course it's a tragedy all the way around, but just like the title of this episode, um, a body to a building, there's no comparison. Violence can only be done to a living thing. Violence cannot be done to a building. That building does not feel the destruction that's actually happening to it. But when someone is killed, when a body is being destroyed and having its life nailed on, those types of things are things that we are fighting for. So, of course, you know, casualties happen, casualties of war, casualties of justice. But we have to continue to be on the right side of history. If you are interested um, in being on the right side of history, be sure to click the link to sign the petition uh, for Breonna Taylor's justice. Uh, we have to fight for justice for her. It has been 133 days since she has been killed. She was killed sleeping in her home um, and her murders have not been arrested. We do want to call out uh, the mayor, uh, Greg Fisher, because we want for him to know that we are still waiting. Um, her family uh, deserves justice and her life was precious. She was not only an essential worker, but she was also a dedicated EMT. We want justice for her. Brianna, we are sorry that it is taking so long. So please click the link in the description to be able to sign the petition. Um, if you also want to know how you are able to be a part of these movements, there's also a link to uh, the Black Lives Matter website. So you are able to find which chapter is close as you. If you are on Twitter, of course, you would be following us at Upright with Eve. If you click your search bar, you're able to type in whatever major state or city you are in and just put protests behind it so that you're able to find where you are able to be with the people who are on the right side of change. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to Upright with Eve. Good night.